Hey Paige. Hey Sam. What you doing? Trying to fight the urge to throw an alligator in a Wendy's. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> we still never got the answers on what that would be. Like what as far as uh, the charges would be. Oh yeah, we gotta ask Patty Cakes about that. <laughs> Gosh, you're gonna kill. You're gonna get us killed. <laughs> so other than that, what else are we doing? Recording a podcast. What's that podcast called? M cubed. Murder, mystery, and mayhem. Motherfucker. What new stuff do we have going on, Paige? Well, I just got back from vacation. Yes, you did. I'm super jealous. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I did have some. Like it. I have some stories from there that I'll tell you probably at the end. Maybe if we have time. If we have time, yes. This one's a bit. But we do. Mm-hmm. So we have a new review. It is from Tate. And Tate says, oh, this is fun. Sam's laugh is infectious, as always. Can't wait to hear more. I love her. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tate. <laughs> we love you, Tate. <laughs> and Sam's laugh is infectious, yes. I don't know about that. We got another state mm-hmm. since the last time. Mm-hmm. Oregon. We got Oregon. Which was unexpected because we didn't talk about Oregon this time. We talked about Oregon a lot, though. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's just crazy to me. It's like, I tried very hard to, like, Rhode Island there, you know, with the disappearance. And we were probing them. We were probing them hard. 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 No lube. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so now we're down to three states, and that's Rhode Island, North Dakota, and Alaska. So if you know people in those states, just send us, send them our shit. Just, like, listen to them for five seconds. Yeah. If that, just download it. Yeah, just download it. That's fine. Don't even listen to us. No, definitely listen to us, because we're dumbasses, and I think that we're entertaining. Oh, we're definitely entertaining. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) It's the dumbassery. Mm -hmm. Come for the true crime. Stay for the dumbassery. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll have to, we may have to share uh vacation stories in the next next time next time because time because yeah. this i've got five pages i'll try to talk fast <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and jump right into this yes and i hope for the best yeah and if i have to make it a two-parter we'll do that and i'll just come combine it later <laughs> but in this episode today you are getting a sort of twofer it's going to seem a little bit disjointed, but I promise you it all, it'll make sense, hopefully. So, the first family we are going to talk about are the what is the White family. That is their last name, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm not being weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, <laughs> seems a bit much, Sam. Uh <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm glad you get entertainment out of my super awkwardness. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, so back in 1987, when this all starts, Joy White was 16, and her boyfriend, or husband, I don't know if she was actually, or her last name was White at the time, but it later, it was later. Did um, you say Joy or Joy? Joy. Okay. J-O-Y. Joy. Okay. 
uh, Joy White and Carl White. She was 16. He was 22. It's fine. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so he was a truck driver, and he worked nights at a parking <laughs> garage. <laughs> Your face. Okay, so he was a truck driver, and he also worked at nights as a parking garage attendant or security guard or something. Mm-hmm. Well, Joy was still in high school. That was the thing. They both grew up in Harlem, and they had been been together for a whole year before they found out that Joy was pregnant. And together they decided to keep the child, and the plan was for the baby to stay with Joy at her mom's apartment, because that's where she lived, and then Carl would come visit when he wasn't working, essentially. <laughs> so that's that's what they did. They had this beautiful baby girl in 1987, and she was eight pounds. They named her Carlina Renee White. So at just 19 days old, Carlina developed a fever, and they decided to take her to the hospital. On their way into the hospital, Carl later recalls being directed by a heavyset black woman in her 20s wearing a nurse's uniform. He didn't think much about it at the time, but later on he realizes she didn't have a name tag. Mm. He looks past this. He's worried about his baby. They, they go into the hospital. They get checked in. The doctor checks out Carlina. The doctor decides that she needs to stay overnight at the hospital. Mm-hmm. So Carl uh, decides to go in search for a phone so he can call their mothers and let them know what, what's going on. Yeah, because this is 87. Yeah. And so they had to, they had to find a, a landline. So he goes and does that. And then on his way back, he sees Joy talking to this same name tagless nurse. And he hears the nurse say, the baby don't cry for you. You cry for the baby. And he took this as meaning the baby was fine. It's the mom that needs consoling. Okay. He thought it was odd, but, you know, nurse stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Like, he's just, maybe it's something they say. Yeah. I don't know. Because they're, they're babies. They're, they have a new baby and they're babies and they've never been through any of those before. Right. So it was odd, but... So they planned for Joy to spend the night at the hospital with Carlina, but she needed to grab a few things since they weren't prepared for an overnight stay. They left together around 1230 in the morning. And I guess he was supposed to pick Joy back up after he dropped her off. Or maybe they were both supposed to go back to the hospital it's a little unclear, but it in the articles I read, it was it was like, Joy was supposed to stay there, but she needed to get some things before she could return. But it didn't specify how she was going to be returned, because he dropped her off, then he went to his own place, and he ended up falling asleep. At six o'clock, five and a half hours later, after they, they leave the hospital, his phone is ringing like crazy. So he picks it up, and it's the police. And they're at, at Joy's mom's apartment, and... They're like, you need to come here now. We all need to discuss this. So he gets there, and when he does, the officers tell him that the hospital discovered Carlina was missing at 3.40 a.m., which is absolutely insane, because it's a fucking hospital. I would be flipping the fuck out. Oh, yeah, they were. They they absolutely were. They discovered the baby missing at 3.40 they called the cop shortly after. They're at Joy's house before 6 o'clock. They wake Carl up at 6 o'clock. Like, they're doing everything very quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. It's a missing baby, 19-day-old baby. Well, 
The hospital reported they checked on these ba- the babies in the, in the area every five minutes. Every five minutes, somebody laid eyes on these babies. So whoever took the baby did that in between the five-minute intervals that they did not have eyes on those babies. Which also means that they were familiar with their practices. Mm-hmm. Which led them to their suspect. You know, the lady without a name. They suspected it was the heavyset woman that had been around the hospital for a few months, by the way. She was there so frequently that she convinced the nurses that she was supposed to be there. I don't know how this happened. It wouldn't happen today. No. Not even a little bit. But, like, can you imagine? Yeah. (laughs) I can't. It makes me so mad just thinking about it. They did end up having a suspect. I'm not going to name her because there's no reason to. They eventually catch the person, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, so they dismiss her completely because she had an alibi. And by the time they got to her, she was in another state. And there was nothing connecting her to that specific hospital at that time. They had nothing to go on. There were no leads at all. Just this woman that was there. If she's been there so long that the nurses thought that she was supposed to be there, surely somebody knows something about her. Nobody. Nothing at all. I I don't, I can't fathom it because she would have had to come across somebody and told them something. They had nothing. Cameras? I don't know. I mean, it was 87. I don't know. (laughs) So if they did, it was probably really shitty cameras. But they don't find out what happened to her for decades. But shortly after she was, Carlina was kidnapped because that's what happened. Joy ended up taking a year off of school. She began taking anxiety medication and she started uh, going to therapy, which good for her because it was the 80s and it wasn't nearly as accepted as it is now. And back then it was even worse. Like, I don't, so I'm glad she was doing that and taking care of herself. Yeah. Carl says that he became angry and he was short-tempered with everyone. And from what I read... It seems like they blamed themselves and each other for it happening, which honestly isn't that surprising because anything like this, you're going to like, well, what if, what if I was there? What if she was there? What if mm-hmm. all of these things, but it doesn't really change anything. It just makes things drives a, a wedge between the two, which happened about a year after Carlina disappeared. They broke up going their separate ways. So I'm going to tell you about the whole other family. I promise it will all make sense. (laughs) Is this family called the Black family? No. (laughs) (laughs) Anne Petway. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Anne Petway. (laughs) (laughs) If you make me say her name again, I'm going to throw something at you. (laughs) Throw these anti-anxiety rocks at you. (laughs) I've missed you. (laughs) Same. (laughs) So, Anne Petway was a bit wild in her teen years, even serving a month-long sentence for larceny, and later she was caught in a few theft and forgery schemes, and also one marijuana-related charge, but who cares about those? Uh, (laughs) In 1987... 
Anne told everyone that she was pregnant, and everybody assumed that Robert Nance was the father, and it was her on-again, off-again boyfriend. They did not have the greatest relationship. But, anyway. So, Anne left town for a while after she told everybody she was pregnant. And when she returned, she had this beautiful baby girl, and uh, she named her Nadra Nance, who later goes by Nettie. That was her nickname, and I'm going to call her that <laughs> throughout yeah, the rest of this. I like that. Yeah. It's cute. Nettie later recalls her mother during her childhood being an, being an addict and having, and recalled having drugs around the home all the time. She would have to deal with Anne's mood swings due to her addiction. Due to her addiction. Let's say you sound super country. Due to her addiction. Listen, it's been a rough ass day. So even though others may call how she grew up those negative terms like abuse or neglect or something of the sort, she refuses to call it this. She's like, it's it was not abuse. She said, everything an average person would have, I had. I'm not going to say she was the best mom ever, but she did what she had to do to make me who I am. She was strict, but she was cool. All my friends used to say she was the cool mom. And that was about Nettie's mom? Yes, Anne. Robert Nance wasn't really around at all during my childhood. He was in and out. Anne was able to maintain a steady job, even with her addiction and all of the things that she was going on. Um, but she's, she was a janitor at a local civic center in Bridgeport, Connecticut. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? <laughs> because I have the urge to go Connecticut. <laughs> anyway, so when Nettie hit high school and decided that she was going to have Nettie live at her grandmother's house, whose her grandmother's name is Mary, this way Nettie would be able to attend a better school and she would have more opportunities and all of the things. Before she hit high school, Anne had another child um, around the time that Nettie was 10 years old. It was a boy. I'm not going to say his name either because, you know, not part of this whole thing. Did she actually have him or did she steal him too? She had him. So by this time, Nettie was super close with her aunt, Cassandra, and spent a ton of time over there. She stayed with her aunt a lot until she hit high school, and then she moved in with her grandma, and that's kind of where she stayed. When Nettie was a senior in high school, she found out she was pregnant. And even though she was really young, she was super excited to have a baby, because her cousin at the time also was pregnant, and so they were going to have babies together, and they were going to be really close. It was exciting. So at this time, what was it, like the early 2000s? Or the late? Yeah. Late 90s, early 2000s. Right. Yeah. So, since she was pregnant, she decided she was going to try to take advantage of all of the free resources or less expensive resources that she that were available to her. Because it's a baby. She's going to take care of that baby. It's mm-hmm. hers. Yeah. Yeah. The only issue is, she needed her birth certificate because the doctor's office was demanding it. She's like, okay. She didn't have it, so she's like, hey mom, I need my birth certificate. She's like, I'll handle it. And she'd go on about her business. Well, Nettie got uh, got tired of waiting. Waiting. So she went searching into her mom's belongings, and she found some documents that had her name on it and her birth date, and she was like, this will fucking work. So she's like, I'm going to go get my own birth certificate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to do this on my own because mom's not going to help me. Right. 
So off she goes to the Office of Vital Statistics to get her birth certificate. However, using the documents that Nettie had provided, the clerk could not find her in their system. So she could not give her a birth certificate because they couldn't find her. Bum bum bum. Nettie was pissed. She's like, why can't you do- I need this to get the care that I need for my baby. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. They were like, no. Uh, <laughs> not today. Words were exchanged, and Nettie was accused of attempting to use a false identity. Ooh. Again, Nettie was pissed. So by the end of this conversation, however it went, she's like, keep it, keep the papers. Don't care. Keep it. And she left. Furious, she goes to her mom and she's complaining. She's explaining the whole situation to her. And she's like, I don't understand why they couldn't just give me my birth certificate. I'm obviously here. <laughs> like, why can't they give me my birth certificate? All Anne had to say was, I told you I was going to handle everything. And then it went on. Like, that was that was it. They went about their business. <laughs> that was a weird-ass ending to a conversation, but that's how it went. So soon, the Department of Children and Families called the house, and they spoke with Anne. Nettie wasn't able to listen to the actual conversation, but she was going through all of the worst-case scenarios that would go through her head. And I'm sure there was a shit ton because she was a pregnant teenager, so the hormones were raging. Mm -hmm. One, the, like, the one thing that she was terrified of was she was going to end up in the system because they couldn't find her freaking birth certificate. She was terrified of it. Yeah. Thankfully, that didn't happen, but, you know. Well, a few days later, Anne calls Nettie before she left work. And she was like, hey, I'm going to come over because, you know, Nettie's living at Mary's house, at her grandmother's house. She's like, hey, I'm going to come over. We need to talk. One of those things that you never want to hear, especially when you're a hormonal mess. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I'd be flipping shit. I'd be flipping shit. Yeah, Absolutely. When Anne got there, she went upstairs. I say upstairs. I don't know. In my head. <laughs> I'm like, in, in my head, I have this picture of her going up the stairs into Nettie's room and sitting on her bed and, and talking to her. I don't know why. Maybe they had stairs. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> Either way, that's what you get. Anyway, so she goes to Nettie's room and she sits down on the bed and she starts crying. And Nettie's like, what do I do? Because her mom's not a crier. She just, yeah. There's no tears ever. She's like, why are you crying? What's what's going on? And Anne responded, your mom left you and never came back. So that night, the only mother Nettie knew told her that her mother left her and never came back and didn't give any other information. That was it. That was it. You don't remember who she was? Nope. Do you remember what she looked like? Nope. nope. Do you remember where? Nope. No other information. All she would say is she left and she never came back. Because of her inability to answer any question, Nettie got very suspicious. She's like, where the fuck did I come from? Yeah, I would be wondering. <laughs> Who the fuck am I? Yeah. She's like, she started going through all the scenarios that made sense to her. Like, so did somebody just drop me off with her and just never come back? I thought she was pregnant, so did she have a miscarriage, and then she found me, like, and then decided to just pass me off as the baby that she would have had? Yeah. Don't know. Nettie asked a DCF worker if 
they could do a DNA test and put it, her DNA in the system to see if it matched any missing children. Because in her head, like that seems like an easy step to do. It should have been. But apparently this uh, worker looked at her and said, that's TV stuff. <laughs> Whatever. So the next person Nettie thought to ask was her father, Robert Nance. She had to talk to him while he was serving a sentence on a rape charge. Wow. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, he explained to her that the time at the time Nettie was born, he and Anne were not together. Mm-hmm. It's like they're off time. And so he really wouldn't know any more than, than she does. It's like, that doesn't make any sense, but eh. Mm-hmm. Like he's in prison, though, so. I would be glad that I wasn't related to him. Oh, absolutely. Nettie moves on with her life. She she has her baby, little girl, in 2005. But she never stopped looking for answers. Like, she tried any, any way that she knew how. But she never really got any anywhere with it. But she did the damn thing. And she got her high school diploma. She got a job. And she ended up moving um, into her own apartment when her baby was just one years old. Aw. Yeah. So she's, she's doing the damn thing. In 2007, she decided to move to Atlanta to be closer to her aunt that she was really close to. Apparently, all this time, baby was born in 2005, so so like three years, there was a three-year-ish span of time there, that nobody spoke about Anne not being Nettie's actual mother to anyone. So when she's in Atlanta with her aunt, she's like, hey, this happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Her aunt was like, you should keep searching. Yeah. Keep keep doing that. Don't don't stop. You need you need your answers. So she kept going. So she gets on the internet and she starts searching for missing children that were born in 1987, then adding Connecticut, and then adding the the hospital that she was born in, but none of the kids resembled her at all. There was nothing. She couldn't find anything. 3 years later, she got onto the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children website, and she found a girl that looked like it could possibly be her. And this baby girl had been missing since August 4th, 1987. This baby was just 19 days old whenever she uh, disappeared. So she does the only thing she can do. She calls the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and she's like, I think this might be me. Maybe. I don't know. So, in her really frantic state, she's, they're asking her all these, like, real basic questions, like, race, age, all of this stuff, and she's like, I don't really know. I guess I'm African American, I guess I'm this age, but I don't actually know. But then her aunt's over here going, hey, you have this birthmark on your arm, and it's in this shape, and it's this spot, all this stuff. So, eventually, they were able to get a picture to the to the people that she was talking to at the center. Mm-hmm. And they looked at the birthmarks, and they matched. They wanted to do a DNA test to be 100% sure that this was her. Yeah. They contact Joy and Carl, and they send pictures of, of Nettie over to them. And apparently, Joy goes crazy. She's like, this is my child. She looks just like me. Yeah. This is my kid. She's mine. But this isn't, this is in 2010. 23 years later, by the way. That is insane. Yeah. So, just after Christmas, 
they get DNA tests uh, from Joy, Carl, and Nettie. Mm-hmm. And then they have to wait. But Nettie is some crazy strong badass woman who apparently has nerves of steel because she goes ahead and she calls Joy. So she calls her, but then, unfortunately, Joy was on her way to her house after work. And when she gets there, like, all the the aunts and and grandma and godmother and everybody were at the fucking house. And she gets the phone on speaker. And so they have this whole ass conversation with all of these people. And they're like, you're our baby, you're our baby, come home, come home. They're all excited. But in the back of Nettie's mind, she's like, what if this isn't me? Yeah. Like, what if it's, what if it's not me? Right. So, she's, she's really happy because she thinks that this is it, but she's not sure. So, she kind of, she, like, dives head first, and then she starts to pull back a little bit. <laughs> but then, they get in, she gets information about Carl. She calls him. That one wasn't as, like, um, exciting, because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what she said. <laughs> she said, I called and talked to him for a while, but me talking to him was more awkward. The mom had that mother instinct. The dad is like, I was talking to a stranger. So even though it was more awkward to talk to him, she was still super happy because, like, every time she spoke with him and she talked to them multiple times a day, every day, for a very long time until they got their results back, she was more and more sure every day that they were her parents. Carl, <laughs> I, had to, I had to put as much, as many quotes in here as possible from them because I thought it was insane to, to be honest like I can't imagine I cannot put my I cannot put myself in their shoes and I'm a very empathetic person and I cannot I don't know but anyway so Carl later says we're talking and all of a sudden she's calling me dad and I'm sitting here saying to myself I can't believe it this is my daughter my firstborn and Joy would be trying to call her, too. And she would say, Dad, Mom's like, mom's calling on the phone. And I was like, this girl is calling us Mom and Dad. And he was just so excited. I was like, it's a happy tears. Yeah, like, I that is so sweet. Uh, that's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> you better not crush me right now. No. Maybe. Not at the moment. It's fine. Oh, We're my fine. gosh. Everything's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, in January of 2011... Um, Joy pays for Nettie to come to New York, and she brings her child, too. So they all get to meet everybody. But Nettie wasn't very sure about this trip. She was like, I, I would rather meet them on my in my comfort zone over here. I don't, you know. At first she was like, no, we're not doing this. But she ended up doing it because Joy could not get off of work long enough for a visit to Atlanta and all of that stuff. So... Joy decided to pay for Nettie to come to New York, and then Carl was going to take care of the car. Nettie and her kid go. Everything's fine. Like, the flight's fine. Everything's good there. Then they go to get the rental car, but because she's 23, they refuse to allow her to get the car that Carl had reserved. So then she's like, shit, I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. Because she's in a place that she's not familiar with. She's with her daughter, and she's at the mercy of other people. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's what it is. She ends up calling Joy. Joy and her sister Lisa come and pick her up. And that kind of eases her fears a little bit. They get her calmed down again. All is well. Nettie later says, They were just staring at me going, Oh my god, you look like your dad. You look like your mom, but you've got your dad's eyes. And like, they all cried. Like, they were all yeah. adorable. And I can't imagine. I'd... When 
they arrived, Joy's apartment, Nettie got to meet her siblings, her cousins, her aunts, her grandmother, some nieces. Holy crap. <laughs> like, I would be so overwhelmed. Her, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, her, her grandmother, Elizabeth, said she brought her beautiful daughter and it was magic. And during the visit, they tried to learn about each other. They, they avoided her childhood and, and Anne. They kind of explored to see how much they had in common or like similar habits or mannerisms and things like that. So I'm sure you'll, you'll probably go back. And tell us this, mm-hmm. but do they talk about how she was stolen? Mm-hmm. Because that's like a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they find out who did it. <laughs> so with with this meeting, she's like, Nettie, Nettie says, I felt like this is where I belonged. She was very happy. She was very comfortable there. The next day, Carl comes by and so he can visit with Nettie, but he's not like with Joy, so he takes her. Whatever. And I have to read this because it's insane that this story is even real, but he said, I'm waiting for her to come downstairs. I'm sitting there like a kid waiting on his new toy. Mm. I'm shaking, and suddenly this girl comes out of the building. I get up out of the car and go to her. Tears start coming out of my eyes, and she says, Dad, don't start crying. Don't start. (laughs) (laughs) He later says that she gets in the car, and then he just keeps staring at her, and... (laughs) And she looks at him, she goes, do I have something on my face? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my face, homie. You look just like me. (laughs) And he said, he said, no, girl, you don't understand what me and your mother went through. Just seeing you standing here is a blessing. All the happiness. I know. Um, But, unfortunately, this meeting with Carl didn't go as well as with Joy. uh, Because... Nettie wanted him to rent a car and put it in his name and let her drive it, and he did not feel comfortable with that, which, honestly, I I get. Like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Because, one, he didn't know her. They're complete strangers. They are. She's 23, and if something happened, like, if she were in a car wreck or something, then it would be on him. Mm-hmm. And it would just be a, a real shit show. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get it. But she was also... But I also get her side of it, too. Like, she's in this place that she has never been to, I don't think. Very unfamiliar with people that she's unfamiliar with. And she's kind of at the mercy... Uh, at their mercy to, to get anywhere. Oh, yeah. So, like, I, com- I I get both sides. But it did not go well. At one point, she's like, just, just drop me back off of Joyce. Just take me back. Just take me back to her house. Aww. I'm sure that broke his heart. Yeah. The visits end. She goes back to the airport to get on the plane. And right before she gets on the plane, somebody comes up to her and informs her that the DNS, DNS, DNA test came back. And she is, in fact, Carlina White. She has this information before she boards the plane. And she gets on the plane and she goes home. Carl and Joy did not understand this decision to get back on the plane and go to her home. Uh-oh. They were like, why didn't you come home? Why didn't you come to us? Why, why didn't you stay with your family? But on... She's an adult. Nettie's side, she is an adult. Mm-hmm. A grown-ass adult who just got smacked in the face with some crazy news. Like, she knew it was coming, but still. Mm-hmm. So they were they were a little upset about that. Well, I think Yeah. 
from the article that I was I was using to research, one of the articles that I was using to do research, it said by anyone's estimation, no child in American in American history had ever been missing longer before being re- reunited with her parents than Nettie. That is crazy. One of the big news outlets set all three of them up in a nice hotel so that they could do their their photo shoots and, and get more information and all of the stuff, right? Because it's a huge-ass story, and everybody wants to know everything. Oh, yeah. They were happy to be reunited, and she went, this time, she went by herself. She didn't bring her daughter. But she was constantly bombarded. She's like, I couldn't leave my room without reporters or people coming at me. Like, it... I just couldn't, and there, there was no space for me to, to digest all of this. There was nothing. During this time, the FBI starts looking for Anne, who at that point had been living in North Carolina. But when they started searching for her, she booked it. Like, she went into hiding. Well, yeah, no shit. Yeah. She abducted somebody. But what about the limit of stuff? Statute of Limitations? Yeah, Statute of Limitations. Uh, Apparently that doesn't matter to the FBI (laughs) because they pursued it. I mean, good. I'm glad. Nettie, after all of this big thing with the media, she returns to Georgia to be with her daughter because her daughter is there. But the media went after her, too. Like, they just, they were constantly following her. She Mm -hmm. couldn't do anything without somebody being there with a camera asking her questions. She's like, listen, I'm done telling this story. I am done. Back off. Right. But they wouldn't. She had to change her phone number a billion times. She had to change her social media accounts. She had... It said that she would even go and check herself into a a hotel or motel room just so they didn't follow her home, which is insane. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine having to deal with everything that you thought you knew Um, being a lie and then having to deal with these assholes that are just constantly in your face. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, to find out that the woman that you thought was your mom stole you, uh-huh. and that you have this whole other family. Yeah. Like, that's just insane. And then she's torn in two, because this is her mom. hmm And I don't know if you know this, people out there in the world, no matter how shitty your parent is, you still have some crazy fucked up connection to that person. Facts. She has this crazy, terrible, like, guilt for bringing this all to light. Right. Because that's her mom. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen to her younger brother? Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's a teenager at this point. But still, you know, what happens to him if, if her mom goes to jail? Mm-hmm. Like, that. those were her worries. But on the other hand, her biological parents were like, she needs to, she needs to suffer the consequences to her actions. I mean, yeah, she stole a baby and then... Yeah. Proceeded to raise her for 20 years and... And not even in the best conditions either. Like, no. I just want to point that out. Freaking neglected her and, yeah, it's bullshit. Way back when she was originally starting out this search for her parents, she had written a letter to Oprah. I was like, hey, I think this is happening. Like, I, I think my mother stole me. I don't know who I am. Can you help? They never responded, but... In 2011, when this story broke, they're like, hell yeah, let's do it. So initially she said, yes, let's, let's go. But then the more she thought about it, she started feeling more torn. And she's like, no, I can't do this. I can't talk about this anymore. I'm, I'm, I can't. This is too much. Then her biological parents are like, 
why are why are you not doing this with us? Very tiny foundation that they had created started cracking. Well, then she started pulling away from them as well. And then they said some, well, it was Joy that said some not very nice things about Nettie. Specifically that she thought, she told this to the media, by the way, that she thought that Nettie was only interested in a relationship with them as long as there was money involved. Now, I will say, after their baby disappeared, they were able to sue the hospital and they got a substantial amount of money, which was split between the two of them. And they decided that they would take half of theirs and put it into an account. It was in 2007 when they were like, well, it was 20 years at that point. We can't just keep holding on to this. Like, we need money to take care of the children that we have. Mm-hmm. So, take the money out. So, they didn't have that money. Apparently, somebody had mentioned it, and Nettie had asked Joy about the account. But then Joy's reaction was a bit... I don't know. It's, it's a little weird. It seems extreme, <laughs> to be honest. She's like, we don't have that anymore. And then it just more cracks started in that tiny little foundation that they had started. And then she completely pulls back from them. She stops talking to them altogether. She's continuously having to change her phone number anyway, so how the hell would you get in touch with her anyway? But on January 23rd, Anne arranged to surrender to the FBI. So she does that in Alabama, I think. Which is where court was held and she was sentenced at, by the way. In her statements to the FBI... Anne told them that she had actually been pregnant that year. She was pregnant, but she miscarried, and she was grief-stricken and very desperate to become a mother, and in her desperation, this happened. But at this time when she is taken into custody, she doesn't specify how this baby got to her. She's just, I was grief-stricken. This is, I need, I wanted a baby. I needed a baby. Mm-hmm. That was it. Neither she nor her attorney would offer any information about how Anne ended up with this baby. But the FBI is like, we have enough to connect you to her disappearance because you match the description of the woman that everybody there said this heavyset woman who had been hanging around the, that was in her lower to mid-twenties. They're like, we got you. <laughs> You're not getting away. And honestly, I didn't see anything further than that as far as statements from her until her very brief statement she says before she's sentenced. So like I said earlier, Joy and, and Carl wanted her to feel the full wrath of the justice and justice sis justice system. Jesus, I can't speak. <laughs> but then Nettie was feeling guilty. Eventually she actually came to forgive her mother. She be- <laughs> I feel awkward saying mother. She came to forgive Anne. The one question that I had reading through this is like, what name is she going to choose? Is she going to choose the one that Anne gave her or the one her biological parents gave her? Nettie. Well, legally, she changed it to Carlina Renee White. But when somebody says, hey, what's your name? She's like, Nettie. That's her name. Right. Nobody gave that to her. That's her That's her name. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's keeping that. And as for Anne... She pled guilty to federal charges of kidnapping because she crossed state lines now, so it made it federal issues. This plea deal that she took, she only got 12 years in prison, and she did not 
complete those 12 years. I figured. Uh, she was actually released in 2021. Oh, she was released last year. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, so before she was actually sentenced, she was allowed to read an apology letter that she wrote. And when I say letter, I say this in the biggest quotes ever because this is not a statement. She said, I went to the hospital. I took a child. It was wrong. A haiku at best, I guess. The fuck? Yeah. So there's my twisty-turny, weird, sort of twofer case that I decided to give to you today. I just don't, I don't feel like she was sorry. No, not at all. At all. No. And that, I mean, I couldn't imagine my child being taken from me. And then finding that child. That would absolutely destroy me. And then her not wanting anything to do with me. That would really suck, too. So, yeah. I, I mean, I understand their side of it, too. Yeah. But also, like, they can't. They can't expect her to just go, oh, I hate her. You're my parents now. Right. You can't expect that whatsoever. she went 23 years in life mm-hmm. as the person she is mm-hmm. with the parents that she had to find out that she was none of those things. Right. I can't imagine what that does to your head because I can't. I just can't. There's, no. There is a movie that I did not get to watch yet, but I'm going to, and then I'll tell you how I liked it and how accurate it was. <laughs> is it a Lifetime movie? Uh, I don't know. Didn't pay attention to who I think it is, actually made I think it. I've seen it. Probably is. It's like, uh, it's called... It may not be a Lifetime movie, actually, uh, but I'm pretty positive I've seen this because I remember whenever you said Carlina, mm-hmm. Carlina's story, is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that. That's what it is. But, yeah. Well, you did a great job telling it. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> that is, it's crazy. It's fucking nuts. Like, the entire time I was reading this, <laughs> I know my mouth was, like, just dropped open because how the shit? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, like, on The Office when mm-hmm. Dwight's, like, make sure to mark the baby. <laughs> so you it's yours but this wouldn't even help that because no. she just straight up like stole yeah the, the hospital's supposed to be a safe place yeah your baby is there to be taken care of and i don't i don't know and like you said they were babies too when mm-hmm. they had the baby because i would not have left the hospital no but i was thinking the same thing but they were babies and yeah. they were like oh i have to have i have to have things yeah you know no that's and that's understandable yeah but yeah, I would not have left. No. Shame on that fucking hospital for letting somebody hang around there for months and not getting them out of there. Like, how does that even happen? How do you even... How? And it's not like she had a moment of lapse. Like, she said she was grief-stricken, mm-hmm. which I'm sure she was. That mm-hmm. is a horrible, horrible thing to experience. Yeah. But she staked that place out for months. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just on a whim. No, not at all. We've got to wrap this up. Uh, (laughs) When you listen to this, uh, go ahead and comment on, like, Insta or Twitter or Facebook and let us know how you feel about this because, like, I'm still very confused. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And if Nettie happens to listen to this, like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It's awful. So, if you would like to contact us, you can do so through our social media, which are Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. Why 
Maybe it was I'm missing that one. Oh, that's the best one. My brain's not functioning properly today. Or you could do so through our email at m3truecrimepod at gmail.com. Woo! Uh, I'll link the link tree down below, and you can find all of our shit there from our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> our website. Our website. Um, where we're at, which is all major platforms. It is true. All major podcast platforms. Yeah. The case suggestion slash request thing. We still haven't gotten anybody's splooge stories. Just want to point that out. Send them in. Oh, now Sam's asking for them. Hey, guys. I really want Paige's reactions to things, though. (laughs) It's hilarious. Uh, No, but seriously, though, uh, send in those stories. Ghosty stories. Mm -hmm. Spooky shit. Mm -hmm. I've got another. I, I have a spooky story from a listener. So we'll have to do that again for Halloween special or something. Yeah, we will. Send it in. Send it in. Send it in. Yeah, or, send your sp- spooky stories so we can tell this one too. Yeah. Or give me a suggestion on a spooky case that gets to you every time. I need something good for Halloween to for us to do for the Halloween special. We're going to get a little boozy. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Bye. Bye.